Welcome back. We are back with another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John DeBarry, my co-host, Matt Walker. And of course, as always, brought to you by our friends over at Expand the Box Score. Be sure to check out Expand the Box Score. Use the promo code 40. Get a couple of days free advanced stats before you sign up for the big dog. Anyway, week two, NFL in the books. Week three is upon us. So we're going to Look back at kind of snaps and targets, any interesting trends. Last week, we know we went a little long, but that's because there just wasn't data to compare it to. So now we're going to be kind of looking at guys that are trending up, trending down. You know, each game's kind of a bit of an outlier at this point. So I think next week we'll have a better idea of what a three-game sample, what people are doing. But kind of a good week for fantasy. Some guys really exploded this week. I ran into a couple of massive buzzsaws. I had teams with Aaron Jones and Stefan Diggs, but then I played against like Nick Chubb, Tyreek Hill, Amon Ra team. So I was like first, second, third highest score in a bunch of leagues. And I think I'm, I think I went like two and fucking 10. I got just terrible matchups for me, but that's going to happen from time to time. But walk, how was your week two? And where you want to get started? Yeah, I mean, let, first and foremost, let's just get this out of the way. The Fantasy Forty officially apologizes to Monroe St. Brown and uh, mm. the fact that we were just anti ARSB, the Sun God, as people call him thus far. Just, just thought it was a lot of just created opportunity for him that was going to vanish with the backfield and Hawkinson and the other receiver and everything else, and it hasn't happened, dude. exceeding my wildest expectations. I wasn't that high on him coming out. Um, Wasn't that crazy about where he landed. Thought he was an end of the year aberration. Thought things were going to change this year. All they've done is double down. They're just using this dude in the running game still. He's getting all the targets in the passing game. Kudos to anyone who drafted him late (laughs) in the rookie drafts a year ago and is reaping the benefits because whether we like it or not, Amon Ross St. Brown is a wide receiver one. I, I was reading a thing. If, if NFL drafts, if fantasy drafts were held today, is he a first round pick? Like redrafts? Mm. Or even I, dynasty? Probably not in dynasty. I, he's, I don't he's think fringe. He's getting close. Okay, I mean, he's, he's the top 24 pick. Sure. I mean, his, his age, his production. Sure. I, I don't think he's on the top 12. Um, you're still going to take Justin Jefferson over him. You're still taking Jamar Chase over him. You're probably still taking Cooper Cup over him. I mean, there's like already three receivers that you're taking over him. CeeDee Lamb's star has faded a little bit, no pun intended. But, you know, he's a top 8, 10 wide receiver in dynasty startups. So, yeah, you're definitely going to top 20 picks. Um, but there's there's no denying production uh, at this point in time so so kudos to him um and beyond that to your point we were talking about i i didn't look at the compilation of my leagues but yeah i i took a couple shots on the chin uh, as well i mean i had two just about everywhere i could have them if anyone listens to the show they know that i <laughs> tried to acquire two anywhere i could but i did go against two in a league and it was a two a Tyreek stack in a league Good luck. There's nothing you're, There's nothing you can do about that. I had Lamar Jackson in that league, and I'm going to lose. I mean, or I lost. Um, oh, I lost but, with two a waddle. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it is possible, right? Uh, I won a league starting two guys that didn't play 
because I had Tua and Tyreek. I started Keenan Allen. I mistakenly didn't update my roster before Thursday's kickoff. So I got stuck with the hurt Keenan Allen in my starting lineup. And then I didn't remove Gabe Davis when he was inactive, even though I had Devonta Smith on my bench. So I went with a double goose egg from receivers and still won the week because of what everyone else did. So it, it, it goes different directions. I also lost the Scott Fishbowl because of Kirk Cousins. I mean, I, or sorry, no, not Kirk Cousins. My apologies. And he sucked too. We'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> Russell Wilson. I had two of Russell Wilson. Two got like 50-some points. Yeah, and Russell yeah. Wilson got like one. And I lost by like 10 points. I'm like – Something I never thought I would see in the Scott Fishbowl is yeah, uh, Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson being the reason why I lose because he couldn't complete a pass for the better part of that game that they should not have won against the Houston Texans. But it's fantasy football. That's what makes it fun, right? It's it's unpredictable. Um, yeah, talking about unpredictable, we already brought up Tua, <laughs> the unpredictable comeback that led to that massive Tua game with the Waddle and the Tyreek game. I mean, 42-38 win against the Ravens. Lamar Jackson finally ran. He was carrying that entire offense. Just wasn't enough to stop the onslaught of Tua and those receivers in the fourth quarter. And it just shows that that Ravens defense is leaky again this year. They were bad last year, and they're bad again this year. It's just that they happened to face the Jets in week one, who couldn't do it against them. So we're going to have to take advantage of that Ravens defense in, in the coming weeks because they are burnable. I, I sh- should have started with this. I'm surprised I never even texted this to you during the week, but I forgot. Uh, so being in Vegas, I got buddies that work for casinos. Some people, you know, have some inside scoop stuff. I had a, one of my good friends sent me a, a message. He said, hey, one of our sharpest players just put a big bet in. Nothing's a lock, but he said, take the Tua passing under 250, 254. <laughs> So then that was my, my gambling tip of the week. And I haven't gambled in a while. So I was like, okay, thanks. And then I was just updating my buddy as the game went on. I was like, he's got 130 through about hundred and one third of the game. He's on pace for 390. And then, yeah, as the game just kept getting crazy, I just kept texting him. I was like, Ooh, that fucking poor guy took a beating today. So sharp money was on two under. That was a bad bet. Yeah, guys. Taking a sharp razor somewhere right now on that money. I mean, I saw something. I think everyone to bring it up real quick in the fourth quarter alone. I think two had 199 yards. I think that's what it, I think that's what it was, if I recall correctly. But I mean, he almost doubled that under by himself. So you know, let's let's keep, take sharp money with a with a grain of salt. But no, it was fun. it was an impressive performance, and then there was a bunch of other less than impressive performance. How do Colts get shut out by the Jaguars? They you know, suck. The Colts can't win in Jacksonville, I've come to find out. They're just like, oh, for Jacksonville. But you take away Michael Pittman and you just cripple that entire offense. And that's what happens when you have no depth at receiver. I mean, they just don't prioritize it. I mean, you think that like an injured, an oft injured Paris Campbell, a Mike Strawn, a Ashton Doolin, like you think that's good enough by Michael Pittman in today's NFL? Like, it's just not getting it done, guys. And then couple other, I mean, Rams-Falcons game, who saw that happening? But that was uh, at least interesting enough from a fantasy points perspective because, you know, no one saw 58 points in in that game. But that was one of only six overs again this week. It was 10 of 16 games hit unders again. I'm pretty sure that was the number in week one, too, was 10 of 16. So we're still hitting unders here. 
which is just limiting fantasy production by and large. 20 and 12 so far. Especially in a couple big spots. But, hey, it was a, it was an interesting week nonetheless. But we moved forward to week three. But we started last week and we were talking about injuries. And there's a couple unfortunate injuries that did happen. And the two to point out specifically is in that San Francisco 49ers game, right? Trey Lance broke an ankle with, it sounds like, ligament damage as well. We all saw that foot was just pointing the wrong way. He's done for the year. Enter Jimmy Garoppolo looking like his Jimmy Garoppolo best, which is going to be good for this offense, in my yes. opinion. I mean, it's it's better for the pass catchers. It's going to be better for Kittle when he comes back. And it's going to be better for the running backs because he is not going to steal rushing touchdowns and rushing yards mm-hmm. from them. I mean, it's, it's actually best case scenario for all but the not Trey Lance owners and, you know, wishing them a speedy recovery. But that offense – was not going to be consistent from a fantasy perspective as cross those those productive type players. And now we are going to get the, the offense that we saw last year, you know, where it's very much, you know, using Debo in all areas of the field, getting Ayuk deep, leveraging Kittle when you need to, and then getting 20 carries to those running backs each and every week. So speedy recovery to Trey Lance, but I think it's an, it's an upgrade for the – the fantasy viable players on the 49ers offense. And one of those guys that it could have benefited is Tyrion Davis price, but he suffered a high ankle sprain in the game. So now he is out They're down two running backs through two weeks of the season. We were talking before <laughs> two, we went live two running backs in a quarterback. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who is a, who is a runner. So they're, they're, they're suffering as far as their, their rushing production could be concerned. Jeff Wilson looked good last week. Um, it looks like we're now moving Jordan Mason up from third chair to second chair, potentially use checks going to get his touches. And then Marlon Mack is on the practice squad for the San Francisco 49ers. And we have to assume he is going to get elevated to the active roster. So continue to play the, the running back roulette in San Fran. It's going to be Jeff Wilson for the time being, but Jordan Mason and or uh, Marlon Mack are going to see, touches uh, as early as this week i don't recall any other significant injuries from last week to fantasy viable players that weren't already out like gabe davis hurt his ankle in practice and then he was out in week two sounds like it might be a high ankle sprain couldn't be a multi-week thing for him unfortunately we have to monitor that keenan allen was already out um oh dalton schultz was injured he has a pcl injury he might miss a couple of weeks, I would assume, and he was a pretty much every snap player uh, for those Dallas Cowboys. So um, they're the only ones that I can think of. Anything on the AFC side as far as injuries? Not anything that really stood out. I mean, Jerry Judy had his hmm. chest sternum reported as a quad. Also, <laughs> he's a he's a little slight fella, and he took a beating. <laughs> he took a massive hit, so he hurt his everything. But it doesn't sound like he's going to be out long term. Worst case scenario, looks like a week. But you know, we t- we talked about for two years how how much depth Denver has at all their <laughs> being tested weapons. Oof, well, it's already gone. I mean. Tim Patrick's out. Now Judy's out. I mean, they're going to be going with. Listen, Hamler's been out too. Like Sneaky just didn't oh, yeah, play sorry, I forgot him. Kendall I mean, Hilton. So it's Kendall Hilton and Tyree Cleveland. So And, and Montrell Washington? Yes, that up? He's a rookie. Correct. Yeah, a little speedy guy. I don't, think he, I don't think he even got a snap last week. But either way, <laughs> they have been drained of talent real quick. So we'll see. Everybody wants Russ to cook. But that was, that was the only – Real significant one. I, I saw um, Harris on New England go down, grabbing his knee. But after the 
game, they said he was fine. He was at the press conference telling everybody to chill out. So if he's hobbling around at the press conference, he's good. But yeah, unlike the NFC, not not a bunch injury wise AFC side. Yeah, I mean, they also did a report that come out that Jameis Winston has like broken bones in his back, like four fractures in his back, but they can't get any worse. Like it's it's probably like those transverse processes, like the same it's like thing the Matt Stafford there. injury from years. Is that ago. what it was? And I was thinking Cam Newton too, where it's like, the, yeah, they can't do any more damage, so just shoot them up, flak jacket, get on out there, kid, and <laughs> try and win us some football games. But he uh, he laid an egg against the Buccaneers, and I don't know if you saw Davis uh, Devin White came out and uh, pretty much said, you, you you remember what he did when he was a Buccaneer, throw with 30 interceptions. Well, we had a good defense then, too. Well, we knew he'd give us the ball a couple times today, and uh, we were going to take advantage of it. I was like, man, there is no no love loss. Roll 30 for 30, Jameis. Yeah. But that's injuries. That's recap. There wasn't any other games, I really think, that, that kind of – Stood out. I mean, the Broncos are still stinking. I mean, you, you mentioned the Broncos. I mean, that's that's been difficult to watch. They could have, should have, and probably would have lost to the Texans if the Texans wanted to win the game. I mean, they were they were doing their their best, and then somehow the Cowboys. Shout out to Coach Burke. Beat the the strugglingly hungover Cincinnati Bengals, who haven't seemed to really fix their offensive line woes through two weeks. I mean, that was that was an unexpected outcome. Beyond that. Nothing really shocked me uh, on the week. How about so you? Quick, quick on the – not really, but something you had said led me to this thought process. So putting you on the spot quick, what coaches already two games in are on the hot seat? The the names that I came in, I think uh, – what's his name in Denver? He's on Hackett. pace for – Hackett's on pace for a one and done. I mean, he came in as a ooh, off, offensive mind, and we got you, Russell Wilson. If they continue – to suck like this, even if they squeeze in the playoffs as a wild card, that I think he's already in trouble. And and Indy with Frank Reich, that that team, whether it's his fault or the front office for just cycling through these old quarterbacks, it, it's beyond the point. But this was the easy part of the Broncos' schedule too, right? Starting off Seahawks and oh, Texans, yeah. and they should be zero two. I mean, yeah. they got lucky. Now they got to face the 49ers. And then, it, I mean, it's not world beaters. They're still, they still have, you know, the Jaguars and Jets and all coming up, but they have tougher matchups. They they should have been easing into the year with, with two reasonably easy wins. And they choked it, you know, they coughed it up against the Seahawks. And then they, they tried their damnedest not to beat the Texans. So that's rough. I agree with you on Hackett. Reich. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue. I mean, he keeps being gifted these kind of quarterbacks over and over, like we're staying win now, and to get blanked by the Jaguars is a tough one. I would have said Cliff Kingsbury if they didn't pull out yeah. that late win. I mean, I think he just got extended, but I I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not – we had, we were not impressed with that team going into the season. And what season. about Salah? And it's the kind Jets? Of yeah, I mean, listen, I was going to say, we didn't talk about that, but the Jets pulling off the upset of the Browns, uh, you know, with Joe Flacco just – looking like a fantasy darling through two weeks is wholly unexpected. I mean, he's, he's got to be a QB one in, in fantasy in Superflex right now. It's, it's been impressive what he's going to do. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when Zach Wilson comes back and ultimately just gets gifted the team again, right? You can't ride with Joe Flacco and what that's going to mean for those pass catchers in the offense. Yeah. I mean, good. That, that Jets Browns game, good, good for fantasy, bad for real life. You know, if, if Chubb, 
lays down inside the five. Yeah. <laughs> they would the old Brian Westbrook and who was the old oh, a million the, guys have done it. Lots of yeah. guys. Yeah, it's trying to think more recently. There was there was a guy who did it like a year or two ago where you're like, Oh, I think it was Eckler, I think it was a charger that Could I recalled been. doing it recently where yeah, it's hey, well, we like that third chub touchdown, but you're right. <laughs> cost you cost you a W in the old record books. But you know, I'm not a Browns fan, so keep keep running that right in the end zone, Nick. We'll, we'll deal with the fallout later. Maybe play a little defense against the Jets. How about that? And now they got to play on a short week. So transitioning into week three, we got those Browns against the Steelers on Thursday Night Football. I'm not going to watch. You going to watch? I never watch Thursday. Ah, see, I I do watch Thursday. I typically don't watch Monday I, in Night Football. I did watch last night for obvious reasons, but I will not be watching this Thursday night game because I don't want to, anything to do with this. 15 to 12 <laughs> barn burner uh, that's going to happen. But let's dive into our teams and these snap counts and these target shares. As to your point, we're getting a little bit clearer picture of what these teams look like. I do think three weeks, four weeks, once we once we get that type of data, it's going to be more, more tangible than it is right now. There's still a lot of injury that are impacting some of this stuff. They're still shaking some things out with the lack of preseason play by a lot of these players that aren't fully up to speed. But you want to dive in first or would you like me to? Yeah, I'll go. I'll start with the the AFC East. So, real quick, we talked about Miami already. Talked about Tua. It's obviously all Hill, all Waddle. Hill's going to be a little more consistent, I think, week to week. Twelve targets, then thirteen targets in these two weeks, where Waddle went five and then exploded for nineteen. So, I think Waddle's the biggest beneficiary of Hill being there because their teams have to account for Hill. So, no matter how good Waddle is, they're gonna they're gonna have to pivot coverage to Hill. So I think Waddle's going to have some real huge games throughout the year. Um, looking at running back, Mostert's uh, snap count went up 10%. Edmonds went down 10%. Could have been game scripty. This is kind of like we said, getting three weeks of data is going to be a, a really important for a lot of guys. And I think this Miami backfield will clear up a little bit after week three just because this hit – you know, game flow and kind of the, the the style of game they had to play due to the score in this one, I think, may have contributed to that. But that's worth keeping an eye on. If Mostert's trending up and Edmonds trending down, that's no good if you're an Edmonds owner. Um, Buffalo didn't get a ton of data because that was the Monday night game. So I don't have big stuff on the trends there. But I do have targets. Diggs, of course, is the wide receiver one. Davis missed this game. So no real trend there. Crowder, not a factor. Moss, who looked like week one, suddenly emerged as their pass catching back. Didn't happen. Went from six targets to one target. McKenzie's just floating around three targets. And I don't see anyone getting – when Davis is back, obviously he's in there. But aside from Diggs and Davis, I don't think anyone here is going to get the volume in the passing game that's going to be plug-and-play week in and week out, kind of like we've seen. Even in the past with, with Beasley, he was, he was playable in deep PPR league, so – Nobody there is emerging. Uh, and somehow James Cook got 11 carries yesterday, which I don't know. Who saw that coming? So that's kind of a worth noting. See what happens in week three. Talked about the Jets a little bit. Week one, heavy, heavily targeted the running backs. Uh, Carter and Hall had nine and ten targets, respectively. They followed that up with five and one. So what looked to be a feature in week one may not be the case. Again, worth monitoring into week three. See how that goes. Um, Target-wise, your boy, 
Elijah Moore is out there like a maniac. Uh, snaps, he's out there getting tons of snaps. I believe he's leading the team both weeks. I think he got 88 or something like that in, in snap, snap share percentage. So he's out there, even though he's been outperformed by Wilson and Davis. It might be musical chairs, but the, the thing with this whole team, too, is we, we mentioned it. When Wilson comes back, what does it look like? So even if there is a trend here, we don't know how much of that's tied to Flacco, so it's hard to trust anyone. And at tight end, Conklin is by far the <laughs> receiving option here. Uzoma's not involved one bit. I, I think, think he got hurt, hurt, too. I think Uzoma's one, hurt. One target to Conklin's 16, and Ruckert, I think, also has one target, so... Blech. And then moving on to New England, similar similar situation. I said with the Miami running backs, we saw Ramondre Stevenson go from twenty five percent snaps to sixty two, and and Harris went from staying right at thirty nine forty. The interesting thing here was in Week One, Ty Montgomery had thirty seven uh, percent, and he got hurt, so he's on IR. He got none. All that work went right to Stevenson, so it was. Pretty much split very New Englandy week one, 25, 25%, 39%, 37%. This week it went 60-40 split to Stevenson. So if they clear that out and they're not getting a third guy involved, Stevenson becomes a lot more interesting. Then at wide receiver, Parker is the main snap guy, but he's getting no targets. He's He, he was out there for 100% in week one and 76% in week two, and he's got four targets. <laughs> <laughs> where Jacoby Myers is already at uh, almost 20 targets through two games. So Myers is the main guy. Aguilar is kind of the splash play, like him better in best ball. Kendrick Bourne went from 4% to 35%, so he's trending up, and hopefully that's coming at the expense of Parker, who stinks, and little Jordan Humphrey, who emerged, and just going with our little Patriots narrative we do from time to time. What's a more Patriots thing than little Jordan Humphrey becoming somewhat fantasy relevant on the Patriots? So he's worth keeping an eye on. I, I, I'm not going to add him to our deep waiver stash yet, but keep keep your peepers on him because something could happen there, which is just fucking disgusting. Yeah, I mean, that was an ugly game. Neither tight end had a catch. Devonta wow. Parker didn't have a catch, but Nelson Aguilar, you know, Moss is a guy deep and, and has a huge fantasy day. But you were talking about Ramondre Stevenson getting the snap share, but it's still the touches went heavily in the favor of Damian Harris. He even had as many targets as Stevenson. So they just didn't even use the running back without Ty Montgomery there as an outlet in the passing game. <clears throat> so it's no tight ends, no running backs, which is very unpatriot-like against the Steelers in week two. I wonder a lot of that was just matchup-based. You know what I mean? Uh, again, Steelers we'll know, we'll know more. <laughs> a week from now, but yeah, we shall see. But yeah, it was a it was an ugly Patriots win, seventeen fourteen. Steelers should be zero two. I was calling for the demise of the Steelers. They somehow beat the Bengals week one, but they looked very much like the Steelers I expected in in week two. So you rock through the East. I will go to the East as well, and I'm going to start right at this out with my Eagles. Uh, I had to compile some snap data myself, right? Because it was Monday night football games. And I did. I do it for the people, right? So snaps last night, the running backs, 53% for Sanders, 26% for Gainwell, 21% for Scott. RBBC continues in two weeks, even though Sanders looked great. Yeah. Again, in the touches he got, but it's working. It's not going to change. So that's what we're looking at. As far as targets are concerned for those running backs, through two weeks, Sanders has five targets, Gainwell has six. So not really even targeting the running back through two weeks. And it doesn't matter if Sanders is playing more than half the snaps. He's not even the target leader at the running back position. 
Looking at week two as well, there was a definite variance from week one as far as the pass catchers were concerned. A.J. Brown had eight targets. Devonta Smith had seven in the game. Their snaps, 99% for Devonta Smith, 88% for A.J. Brown. So Devonta Smith's never leaving the field. A.J. Brown does take plays off here and there. He's a bigger-bodied guy. Smith's kind of more reliable, doesn't leave the field. More equitable split. I thought this was going to come. It was in the local media that we have to get Devonta Smith involved in the offense as well. So you knew they were going to make a concerted effort. The dude was just open every opportunity he got in the game. And it's probably going to look more like this than I think kind of the week one show off your new toy that we saw from A.J. Brown against the Detroit Lions. Dallas Goddard had six targets in the game as well himself. He only has 10 targets through two weeks. You just said Tyler Conklin has like 16. Dallas Goddard has 10 targets through two weeks. He played 84% of snaps, still had a good game, but just not getting the targets. They're still a run-based team. And there's still, you know, then Jalen Hurts is pulling it down and running it a lot as well. So it's lean. It's still start A.J. Brown, flex Devonta Smith, hope that Goddard catches all his targets as a low-end tight end one. And it's whatever running back scores the touchdown, you know, is going to provide you the most value for the Eagles week in and week out. I'm going to do this every week now just for fun every time I talk about Philly. Jalen Hurts, are you you in yet? Um. I, I was more impressed this week <laughs> okay. um, than I was against that's it. the Lions. Leave it there. Well, that's how we'll, that's yeah. how we'll answer this. Yeah. We'll go constantly, each week. Constantly we'll evaluating, it. just like the Eagles are this year. <laughs> uh, I was certainly more impressed this week. And from a fantasy perspective, there's just really no denying it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it is just a touchdown machine. Um, as far as the Giants are concerned, the also 2-0 and New York Giants, somehow they scored four more points than their opponent thus far. I mean, they could On the season? Yeah. They could easily <laughs> – Easily be 0-2. But on the season, Saquon's played 83% of the snaps and seen 11 targets. So it's definitely not the targets that you want to see from a guy that's on the field north of 80% of the snaps through two weeks. Week two snap count for wide receivers was a little more interesting, and I'm not going to speak to Sterling Shepard. You know, kudos to him getting back on the field, most productive guy, guy you want to start. I wanted to focus on these three guys. David Sills. 92% 92% of snaps in week two. Mm-hmm. Kadarius Tony somehow up tremendously to only 38% of snaps in week two. Our old boy, no longer anyone's boy, Kenny Galladay, 3% of snaps in week two. The bank said enough. <laughs> right, Dable said enough is enough. I don't give a fuck. Sunk cost. The last regime and the last GM agreed to pay you. You're not helping this team. You're not going to see the field. David Sills is more valuable to this team. Richie James is more valuable to this team than Kenny Galladay. It's over. This isn't going to be a one-week, like, did you learn your lesson thing. It's clear that either he's just paid and doesn't care or the injuries have just sapped everything away from this man. But he's a liability on the field at this point in time, and he done. Last, I did mention Sterling Shepard. Didn't bring up the snaps, but he had 10 targets in week two. He came back from a late season Achilles and he looks, he's clearly their top receiver. He yeah. looks explosive. He already has a rapport um, with, with Daniel Jones. Sterling Shepard's a guy that you probably can easily flex for the foreseeable future. I'm only hoping brighter days are ahead for Kadarius Tony. And now it's Kenny Galladay in the doghouse. But that's it for the Giants. Don't want to talk about their tight ends because they do not matter in, in this offense right now. I didn't think Daniel Bellinger was going to be a rookie thing, and he's certainly not. The tight ends are not a product. Uh, of this offense. And that's the Giants in a nutshell. It's Saquon. It's a hodgepodge 
of receivers one week to another, and it's Daniel Jones not putting up solid fantasy production, but they're winning games. On to the da- to the Washington Commanders. Week two was 54% snap share for uh, Antonio Gibson, 46 for J.D. McKissick, so almost a straight down the middle split. Through two weeks, Gibson has 12 targets to McKissick's 10. Most of Gibson's targets came in week one, wasn't utilized nearly as heavily in the passing game this week when they were pretty much coming from behind uh, the entire game. Jahan Dodson, 99% snaps in week two. Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel each with 89%. So John Dodson already not leaving the field. What their stat, what their targets look like through two weeks. Curtis Samuel has had 20 targets. Terry McLaurin, 12. John <laughs> Dodson, 10. John Dodson is making the most of his opportunities so yeah. far. And Carson Wentz is feeding all three of these guys. You know, it's not been the Terry McLaurin explosion season. And it's because Dodson, I think, more than anything, because they're using Samuel, close their line of scrimmage, gadget plays, like exactly what um, Scott Turner intended to do when they brought him to Washington. That's what they're using him for. So it's going to continue to be frustrating. You're going to need touchdowns from these guys. Logan Thomas, 73% of snaps last week, has seen 11 targets on the season. So he's right in the mix with these guys as far as targets. And he has been productive in a PPR through two weeks as well. So you got you got talent. And, and it's me- meant that Carson Wentz has actually put up fantasy production through two weeks as well because he has a complete receiving core. Um, even past catch QB four for fantasy. Yeah, yeah, ah, stud, absolute fantasy stud. Carson Wentz. Hopefully, parlaying it into an extension <clears throat> with the Commanders because I still want nothing but the best for Carson. Still think he got scapegoated here in Philadelphia, but nonetheless, last and certainly least, the Dallas Cowboys who somehow beat the still Super Bowl hungover, Super Bowl losing hungover Cincinnati Bengals this past week on the on the strengths of Cooper Rush, but. Week two, 67% snap share for Zeke and a 39% snap share for Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard, far more productive on his touches, as we have said all along he was going to be. They utilize him more in the passing game. Tony Pollard looked explosive and amazing. Zeke looked like the two-down grinder that I thought he was going to devolve into after all those touches. Through two weeks, CeeDee Lamb has played 125 of 130 snaps, doesn't leave the field resulting in 22 targets, all, all numbers that you love to see, and it and it ends there. I mean, he's just, he's not done shit for you <laughs> other than that, but he's he's there. He's, he's on the field. He's seeing targets. Meanwhile, Noah Brown, 85% snap share in week two. He's seen 14 targets so far. Noah Brown's been wildly productive with his opportunity, but – we're going. We're getting reports. Michael Gallup's going to be back soon. That's just going to muddy the waters even further. And who knows? Maybe Jalen Tolbert will actually be active one of these weeks, which will be at the expense of Noah. What Brown. is what is that about? All which camp, one? they're like, well, two parts. One, uh, I'll go with Tolbert first. The reports through camp because I had him, so I can pay. Yeah, yes. this guy. This guy's cracking the starting lineup day one, and then he comes in. It's a fucking healthy scratch. So wh- where did that? What happened there? And then number two, and I, I feel like a, a dummy for not even bringing this up before. Noah Brown's the obvious play. We Lots of times we see these backup quarterbacks take over, and they already have a rapport built with these guys that they're playing second-team snaps with. So I don't – even if Gallup's back, even if Tolbert gets on the field, I bet aside from C.D. Lamb, Cooper Rush feels most comfortable throwing to Noah Brown on that team. Uh, yeah, and 
five of five for 91 and a touchdown would would seem to support that. I mean, you know, we did see 11 CD Lamb targets again, seven for 75, so maybe not Milk Carton and CD Lamb, but he didn't produce as well as uh, Noah Brown did in the same offense with twice the opportunity. So there's 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 a case to be made for as long as Cooper rushes in there, there's just some value in in Noah Brown. And then last is uh, Dalton Schultz. He played 124 of 130 snaps through two weeks. And uh, has seen 13 targets, but also picked up a PCL injury. I got to think that's probably a multi-week injury. And at this point in time, I got to assume the backup is that Jake Ferguson, the the rookie, um, would would be my assumption, which means (laughs) don't do anything with that information because (laughs) he's just going to probably stay on the line and block. It's going to be more targets for Lamb, Pollard, and, and Noah Brown for the foreseeable future. But that is the East in a nutshell. Not too shabby. Yeah, the the tight end thing is the whole Dallas thing is just a lot of mystery. But need need a little more from Cooper Rush here. Another another start. Another start. Another win. Two and zero. Uh, moving on to the AFC, going north. Not much to report here. It's going to be all all Harris in the backfield. Uh, Warren is is still involved, and he he's the obvious handcuff if anything happens there. At wide receiver, Claypool is seeing a massive amount of snaps, 92% uh, percent in each of the first two weeks. Deontay Johnson's number two, and then Pickens is number three, although the targets are not in that order. Deontay Johnson is the obvious target monster here with Claypool getting in there just behind him. He's got 12 targets on the year, whereas Deontay Johnson had 12 in week one and then 10 in week two. So Johnson's the preferred target there, and I think that continues even whenever they get Trubisky out of there. Pickens only six targets, so very narrow distribution tree, but it does fall off a cliff real quick from Johnson through Claypool to Pickens, but at least Claypool's getting some rushing work, um, at least in week one. Moving on to Baltimore. Kind of an interesting thing here. Justice Hill went from 20% in week one to 36% in week two. Mike Davis went from 13 to 31. And Kenyon Drake kind of emerged as a surprise candidate in week one with uh, 59% snap share, dropped down to 25. So Drake worried me because he's done enough in the league. We thought, shit, if he looks okay and they got him heavily involved in week one, I thought when Dobbins came back, Drake would be kind of a thorn in his side. But seeing how the usage kind of went this week, and of course, We'll see what happens a week from now. But Justice Hill might end up finally emerging as the passing down back. So if you've held on to him for, the what, the last 10 years on the bottom of your roster, you might get a little PPR reward here, especially when Dobbins is back. But uh, at, at receiver, Bateman's big play guy, speedy. Everybody liked him coming in. Not really a shocker there, but Andrews is still the number one. Sneakily, Isaiah likely targets-wise is their number three guy. And even though he hasn't done much with it, isn't getting a ton of snaps, they are targeting him. And then Duvernay got banged up. I think he's going to be fine, but uh, concussion. So keep an eye on that. But it's not a heavy passing offense. And really outside of Andrews and Bateman, it's hard to trust anybody week in and week out. But it's kind of kind of what we thought coming into it. But the, the interesting to see, interesting thing to see next week is how they're going to use Justice Hill. Because obviously when Dobbins is back, no one cares about Mike Davis and bringing in Drake late if Dobbins is back and healthy. And now they said he's week to week. So it sounds like they're kicking him down the road for another week. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him. But Justice Hill seems to be the emerging guy and they've kept him on this team for a long time. So who knows what they want to do? Um, yeah. Drake and Davis have looked terrible 
I mean, this is where the run game has looked terrible. I mean, Lamar Jackson had to run because no one else could. So whether it's Dobbins eventually, Gus Edwards potentially, or Justice Hill currently, they need to do something or they need to go look for some free agents they could they could pick up the slack because Mike Davis bring back Devonta Freeman. Not the answer. And now they have uh, at Patriots this week. I mean, Patriots scheme pretty well, all things being considered. So I, I wouldn't be wouldn't be looking to fire up anyone. And then the week thereafter, they face the Bills. So that's uh, probably going to be a game where they're going to have to throw it a lot as well. I, I don't know that I'd be too crazy about any of their running backs in the short term, even if Dobbins comes back. Yeah, and you know now, now that they're saying he's week to week, you wonder why they didn't just put him on the IR to start giving just him to, four weeks off. Just to give Rappaport the old middle finger. That's why. That's <laughs> <Well, it's, laughs> clearly the only reason at this point. Cleveland, uh, obviously splitting the, splitting the backfield work between Chubb and Hunt. Chubb currently RB1 in fantasy. Two weeks doesn't mean much, but it's good to see. Love that guy. Would he still be RB1 if he didn't score that third touchdown? He'd be RB2. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Six points mattered. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that, it's very, very straightforward. We knew that coming in. At wide receiver, the only interesting thing, last week Donovan Peoples-Jones exploded with 11 targets, came back to earth this week <clears> with <throat> one. I think he's kind of be going to be a little more matchup-based, big play guy. So I, I think that 11-1 thing, get used to that week in, week out. And Amari Cooper went from 6 to 10 targets. They got him more involved. But Cooper's always a boom-bust guy also. it's You want to trust any wide receivers tied to Jacoby Brissett? Good luck to you. Obviously, if you have them, you're going to put them in there based on matchups. But they're just both going to be two boom-busts until the bye weeks hit. I'm not comfortable playing either one of them. And last and certainly least, the 0 and 2 Cincinnati Super Bowl lose Super Bowl losing hangover Bengals. Boo. Uh Mixon P Ryan basically both weeks a 75-25 split, more or less. At wide receiver. Last week they had uh, some injuries to, to Higgins. He missed time. So when he's in there, it's going through Chase, then Higgins, then Boyd, but they're all involved. Nothing, nothing new here. It's breaking down exactly like we thought. Like I said, that the numbers were a little off because Higgins missed some time, but it's Higgins is the clear number two, and he's going to stay that way for the remainder of the year. Yeah, that includes the North. Not, not much. Uh, yeah. So thirteen sacks on Joe Burrow through two weeks as well. That's, that doesn't help the passing game. That doesn't help the running game, and that's what we've seen so far. I mean, it's just is it. Atrocious. Yeah, I'm not a big film guy, and especially breaking down offensive line play. But obviously, they improved the line. They brought in a lot of bigger name guys who have a record of success in the NFL. At some point, is it on Burrow or the scheme? Or oh, it's, it's definitely on the coaching staff. It would be my assumption because the talent's better on the offensive line. And I watched pieces of the Steelers game, and they just couldn't stop JJ Watt. And then I watched pieces of the Cowboys game and they couldn't stop Michael Parsons. I mean, they did go up against probably the top two pass rushers in the NFL right now. And the one constant I recall is that Leal Collins was getting beat like a drum <laughs> on the right side. Every time I, I, I saw the highlight plays. So 
maybe they just need to provide him a little bit more support over there on the right hand side. You know, they just need to they they haven't played together all that much. They revamped this entire line. They I don't know, was this another team you said that didn't play together in the preseason? Did this offensive line correct play any significant snaps? They definitely didn't play with Joe Barrow. So they're they're figuring this out in live action. So I I do Still believe that bright, better days are ahead. There's a lot of fantasy viability in, in this team. And just looking, they do get the Jets this week at the Jets. So not as fierce of a pass rush. Then it's Dolphins at Ravens at Saints. We'll, we'll see what those teams look like. The Dolphins just gave up a bunch of points to the Ravens. The Ravens just gave up a bunch of points to the Dolphins. So, yeah, they, they got teams that are being generous with the with fantasy production and points. So, Hopefully they can get it together, but has not looked good so far for those Cincinnati Bengals. Moving on to my North, the NFC. This one's going to be quick. All right. Packers, so running backs. That's it's all that matters. <clears throat> Through two weeks, Jones is at 77 snaps. Dylan has had 70 snaps straight down the middle. Targets, Jones has had eight targets. Dylan had nine targets. He got a lot of those in week one where I think they just – accepted they were losing and just kept Dylan in there and pound <laughs> it for the game. So the production definitely went in the favor of Aaron Jones in week two, even on the touch, the second Aaron Jones touchdown, AJ Dillon was the lead blocker for him, which I thought was tremendous. And exactly how you should use a 240 pound running back on some plays is just go like with a jet sweep to Aaron Jones and let AJ Dillon get on the outside in front of him. So like to see the production bounce back from Aaron Jones after a letdown in week one. Alan Lazard inactive week one, 81% of snaps week two. They were like, get back in there, big guy. We we need you. We just know what else we could depend on. The rookies, Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson, 32 and 37% of snaps respectively, which is probably be where they're going to live until they earn more of a snap share. You're still going to see the Sammy Watkins and, and Randall Cobbs eating away a little bit. Robert Tunyon has been sub 40% snaps each of the first two weeks. He's working his way back from an ACL, but he is getting in there, albeit in a limited uh, capacity. Six different Packers saw three targets in this game. Yeah. And one saw four. I mean, that's, that's is where we're, we're living right now. It's running backs. That's it. Nothing else. Moving on to the, we apologize. I'm on Ross St. Brown led Detroit lions. 51% of snaps for Swift, 34% of snaps for Williams, 15% of snaps for Craig Reynolds. So they've limited, and I know DeAndre Swift was, was injured going into the week. They're now getting Craig Reynolds involved a little bit. But through two weeks, Swift has saw eight targets to Jamal Williams, three. So he's still the primary pass catching back. Williams does still a lot of the short yardage stuff. The aforementioned Amon Ross St. Brown has played 113 of 130 snaps so far and saw 24 targets through two weeks. It just keeps coming. The targets, the touches, they just keep coming. Every week, he's a wide receiver one. Your boy DJ Chark down to 66% of snaps in week two. He's seen 12 targets on the season. You know, had a bit of a letdown after a good week one against the Eagles where he caught a touchdown. And then TJ Hawkinson, who I just thought was going to be more productive at this point in time, has played 117 of 130 snaps. He is on the field more than Ron Ross St. Brown is. He's seen 14 targets on the year, not totally terrible. Just hasn't scored a touchdown, so he hasn't really been that tight end one, you know, threatening for a top five like I would have expected. But the Lions are... Pretty friggin' straight and narrow. You know, it's it's a Monroe St. Brown and variability, you know, throughout. You're going to start Swift every week, start Jamal Williams in a pinch, but Hawk's more of a low-end tight end one, and Chark, best-case flex at this point in time. The disappointing Vikings, who got 
ass handed to him by my Philadelphia Eagles last night. They look terrible. They, they did. They look like <laughs> one Darius Slay just absolutely eliminated Justin Jefferson from from the game plan. So whatever they did in Week One that the Packers didn't feel the need to put Jair, Exan- Jair Alexander directly on Justin Jefferson and let the rest of the team figure out the other offensive players on the field. The Eagles had no problem letting Darius Slay follow Justin Jefferson around the field and marginalizing him. Kirk Cousins continued his stellar primetime play where he just absolutely imploded in the game. But <laughs> as far as week two is concerned, uh, Dalvin Cook saw 69% of the snaps to Alexander Madison's 31 on the season, Cook has six targets to Madison. Or sorry, what's that in week two? My apologies. Uh, I think this is the, the week two targets for my one omission. Bear with me here as I was compiling. While you're looking that up, do you know that Kirk Cousins is the worst quarterback in the history of Monday Night Football? Uh, I, I'm well aware. I, I, think I he's believe he's 37. two and ten now. Yeah, and he's two and thirty-seven in prime time. <sighs> so that's Thursday night, Sunday night. Man, I mean, he just yuck. Even though he plays well in Philadelphia historically during his time with the with the Washington previous Redskins, he actually was pretty productive. So these I, these targets were week two targets. So six targets to Cook and five targets to Madison. So 11 targets did go to the running back. They were dumping off a lot because the Eagles were in the backfield all day. Justin Jefferson has seen 23 targets in the year. Justin Jefferson, less targets than Amon Ross St. Brown through two weeks, wow. 11 and 12 respectively. He's played 98% of the snaps. So he's on the field all day. Being out-targeted by Amon Ross St. Brown at this point in time. Irv Smith, he had eight targets in week two. His snap percentage rose from 31% to 56%. So he's probably getting working his way back into shape. I think he had that, like, did something to his hand. So, you know, maybe they're just getting him in the game action again. But his his, uh, snap count went up and his production went up accordingly. So maybe Irv Smith will be someone that we can be talking about as far as streamer tight ends are concerned. And last and certainly least... It's the Chicago Bears. Just absolutely disgusting. I tweeted the other day that I'm pretty sure they're still using Matt Nagy's playbook at this point because the offensive production is non-existent. 80% of snaps for David Montgomery to 20% of snaps for Khalil Herbert, even though Khalil Herbert was the far superior runner in week one. Yeah, Six targets to two Montgomery to Herbert. I'm just not understanding the just the allegiance and the affinity for David Montgomery. This is a new regime. This, this I don't I don't understand it. I mean, unless Khalil Herbert just looks like shit in, in practice, this should not be 80-20 at this point in time. Darnell Mooney, 90% mm-hmm. of snaps, five targets on the year. Through two weeks, John. I get it. On the year. <laughs> Listen, I get it. I traded for him. and He is a starting wide receiver on multiple teams I have. I, and, I uh, just don't understand. I don't. He's been 90% snaps both weeks. And he's – I mean, I know they're not throwing the ball a lot, but that's, that's still just not good enough. I mean, it's – ugh. Gross. I mean, he's he's not even first on his team receivers in targets, and that that, that that's is it should Saint be that Brown? hard to do. St. Brown has seven targets on the season, but let's go a step further and talk about how Cole Komet played eighty five percent of snaps, and he has two targets on the year. Two targets. I've never year. been a Fields believer, so I'm chalking it up to him. I mean, I know the the the. Scheme and coaching staff and all that shit plays a part of it, but ugh, they, they are trying their, their damnest through two weeks. Justin Fields has thrown it 28 times. Two weeks, it's gross. 
They've ran it with Herbert Montgomery 45 times. So it just goes to show you what they're trying to do in Chicago. And it's end these games quick. That's Seattle that's, East. They just want to get out of here. You know, let's run this ball, run this clock, run out of town. You know, that, that's what we want. Just absolutely abysmal. Darnell Mooney deserves better. Colcombet deserves better. You can't start these guys. These are now sit until they produce and then decide what you want to do with them. You can't absorb another week Here. of getting 1.4 points from Darnell Mooney. Want, want a lineup decision I'm faced with in a couple of leagues each week? Probably not. Darnell Mooney or Adam Thielen. <laughs> I'm throwing Thielen. I'm throwing Thielen. I, yeah. I mean, I just, that's, that's not even a hesitation for me, and it would have been qu- quickly and clearly the other way um, Gross. a week ago. But, yeah, I mean, it's where, 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 what's where Thielen at? Thielen's got seven for 88 through two weeks. Darnell Mooney can only <laughs> pray. <laughs> Darnell Mooney doesn't even have seven targets on the season. Okay? Yeah. Thielen is the far superior option right now. Yeah, it's ugly. What a time. What a time to be alive. So moving to the AFC West Chargers, not much there in the pecking order. Again, you mentioned at the, the top of the show, Keenan Allen got banged up, didn't play this week. Mike Williams was the two, becomes the one for a week, puts up one numbers, but it's a very narrow distribution tree here. We know how that shakes out. I uh, mentioned it last week and, and two weeks now in the books, Joshua Kelly is the clear number two behind Eckler, way leaps, leaps and bounds ahead of Sony Michelle. The, the interesting thing with the Chargers is Gerald Everett and Trey McKitty. So snaps-wise, Everett's at 94 on the year, and McKitty's at 79. So he's getting on the field. But targets, it's Everett 14-4. to four. But McKitty, kind of maybe a decent stash. We liked him a year ago, didn't do anything. They brought in Everett. McKitty might be the guy long-term. I mean, they're keeping him there, and he's on the field, but they haven't used him as a pass catcher just yet. Kansas City Chiefs spreading that ball around. Running back, week one, Pacheco gets in the end zone, 23% of snaps, goes down to 9% this week, which is a little surprising. I thought uh, Clyde – what's that? That was game script. They brought him in to, to close that game out in week one. That's the difference. I don't like My it. Get him uh, out there. But he, he looked okay, and he scored. So you, you would think he'd get maybe an equal amount of work. But either way, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had the big week one, 39% snaps here. This week, 44. So he's going to be – CEH is probably going to float around that 40% for the rest of the year. McKinnon was 39 in week one and then bumped up to 47 this week. So it's probably close to a 50-50 split between McKinnon and CEH. See how that plays out throughout the year. It's an offense you want running backs in. Wide receiver. MVS is the clear snap leader here. He, he's played uh, 73% and 79% in the first two weeks. Juju, 66, 74. McCole Hardman after that, 56 and 54%. Sky Moore is distant. He only saw 4% snap share this week. So people wanted him to be something as a rookie, not trending that way. I mean, it's a long season. We're two weeks in. I I wouldn't write him off just yet. But with guys like Justin Watson emerging, not a lot of room for more. And they're all behind Travis Kelsey. So Theoretically, in the pecking order, Sky Moore's number six. No thank you. Moving down, 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 down to the disappointment. That is the Denver Broncos. Williams and the Gordon split week one. It was close to 60-40. This week it was 65-35-ish. So Williams is slowly ticking towards a little more work. But 
This team stinks so far. The offense, no good. Sutton's the only show in town, 95% and a 92% snap share in week one and two. We mentioned at the top, Judy's hurt. Kendall Hilton, Tyree Cleveland, the other guy uh, whose name you mentioned I already forgot again. Montreal, Washington. Yes. So they're, they're already picking the bottom of the depth chart just due to injuries. Uh, Albert O saw his snap share go down at tight end. Eric Saubert saw his go up. Er- Eric Tomlinson, who I've never heard of, saw his go up. We'll talk about again at waivers. I mentioned him last week. They don't like Albert L. (laughs) They're they're trending the other way, and it's going to – Albert O for two. How about that? Albert was O for two. Yes. Zero catches. It's going to perfectly coincide with his snaps ticking down when uh, Dulcich comes off the IR, so keep that in mind. And last – and certainly least, they're going to give uh, Denver a run for the money here. The Las Vegas 0-2 Raiders. Did you see the guys uh, in Vegas popping champagne bottles in the third quarter? Have you seen that video yet? I didn't, but I will. Oh, yes. The, the Vegas fans were popping Beating champagne. The Beat the Cardinals in the third quarter. Should be something popular. I believe it was 20 to nothing before they lost 26-23. Uh, but, yes, people were popping champagne bottles uh, in the front row there only to watch them. Lose in disgusting fashion. Shockingly, it's the Josh Jacobs show in the backfield. Uh, I, I mean, Amir Abdullah isn't getting involved. Zamir finally saw, I think, one carry on the year last week, uh, and, and Bolden got a little banged up. But they, they didn't want to give him the contract, but they sure give him the work. Jacobs seems to be the guy. Heads everybody else we thought coming over from the Patriots. Josh McDaniels is going to bring in that. Patriot style with uh, which running backs are going to be. Oh, it's Josh Jacobs. So you could kind of plug him in confidently. And I, I would not have felt comfortable saying that even a week ago. But wide receiver, it's all Adams. Not surprising. He's getting tar- peppered with targets, which he, he needs to. And he, he's been okay. He didn't have a big game last week. But Renfro is number two, but I believe he has a concussion right now. So keep an eye on him. Darren Waller being out-targeted by Renfro, which I think is a little surprising. And then Mac Hollins is their fourth-highest-targeted player. And Foster Moreau, shockingly enough, fifth. The, they're not thrown to the running backs. Another Patriots carryover we thought we would see. Not happening. Jacobs, Abdullah, and Bolden all only have two targets on the year. So Seven if you're looking targets for, to the running back. On yeah, the if you're looking for PPR work, ain't happening here at running back. No, so Renfro got concussed on that fumble. Correct. End the game. Yeah, he got drilled as he spun around. <laughs> yeah, he had ten targets to Devontae Adams seven. To your point, you you mentioned that it wasn't the the epic Devontae Adams game, but yeah, not not looking pretty uh, yeah, for those Vegas Raiders. But you were talking about them popping champagne as they were kicking the dicks off the Arizona Cardinals. So what better transition than to go to the <laughs> NFC Arizona Cardinals? Talk about the Arizona Cardinals. Um, James Conner got injured. Uh, they're saying it might not be that significant, so keep an eye on it. But he was limited to 21% of the snaps. Ankle sprain, week, right? Week two, ankle sprain. Um, you know, Benjamin saw 43%, but Darrell Williams stepped in and took 46%. So Darrell Williams is going to step into the Conner role, and Eno Benjamin is probably going to take a slightly greater role than the previous Eno Benjamin role. But it could be a Darrell Williams week or two if James Conner is out. Hey, tri- trivia time. Which member of the Fantasy 40 podcast just dropped Williams in a bunch of leagues before last week? Because I thought, ah, it's not going to be this guy. Wasn't me. <laughs> ping, ping. <laughs> so go go at him, John, and go at him, everyone else, you know, speculatively. 
Um, I did. I do still like what Eno Benjamin does every time he touches the ball, but it's clear they don't want him to be the the primary ball carrier. But he was seeing targets. I mean, Connor got four targets in week two. So did Eno Benjamin. Darrell Williams got three, so eleven targets to the running back. They've thrown it to him, thrown it to the running back twenty one times through two weeks, and it's because they have precious little pass catchers. So. Uh, the the alternative to what the Raiders are doing with the running back and catching passes is what the Cardinals are doing with the running back, and it's double-digit targets through two weeks. So there is some opportunity for uh, receptions out of the backfield in Arizona. What does it look like at the wide receiver position? Hollywood Browns played 143 of 152 snaps through two weeks. He's damn near an every-snap player for the Cardinals. Has only seen 17 targets. You know, we're talking about some of these other receivers seeing mid-20s in targets. So for as many snaps as Hollywood has played, 17 targets is limited, but he, he did see 11 of them in week two. Greg Dortch came back to earth a little bit and only saw four targets, but had the touchdown catch in the back of the end zone. So it was productive for anyone that picked him up and had to start him. You got a little bit more Greg Dortch in your life, but we're going to get Rondell Moore back eventually. You're ultimately going to get DeAndre Hopkins back on the field, and Greg Dor- Dortch is going to disappear. So there's, yeah, enjoy it while it lasts because it's not going to be uh, long-term designs on Greg Dortch starting uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. And then lastly was Zach Ertz, 84% snaps. Um, which was an uptick week over week for him. He just came back, and you know, so he was limited in week one as far as snaps were concerned. He was only a 60% snap player, up to 84%. Has seen 15 targets on the year, 11 of them coming in week two, which co- coincided with his uptick in snaps. So Ertz is going to be that target vacuum for the Arizona Cardinals while Kyler Murray continues to try and drag this team towards <laughs> victories week in and week out. <laughs> It's perfect. <laughs> After them, the Los Angeles Rams, more of a 50-50 split in week two, 50%, 56% of snaps to Daryl Henderson, 44% to Cam Akers. They're clearly trying to drag him out of the doghouse uh, as well. He looked good for most of his touches. There's some clips on Twitter if you want to go find them that he was pretty productive through his first 10 carries, and he kind of got – it was a byproduct of some bad blocking uh, for the remainder that drug down his average. So go search that out if you want, but they're clearly trying to get acres more involved. Um, uh, someone slapped Murray when he left the field in the stands. I don't even know what that means. Who are we, who are we talking about? Oh, Kyler Murray. Yes, that's, that is correct. Yes. Yeah. Had to reach down pretty low to slap him apparently, but yeah, nonetheless <laughs> connected. Thanks Burke. Um, Beyond that, Cooper Cup is a hundred percent snap player through two weeks. Hasn't left the field. Shocking. You know, he, he doesn't leave the he doesn't leave the breakfast table without Matt Stafford. He doesn't leave the field without him either. Twenty nine targets through two weeks. Uh, it's just insane volume. He started. He I don't think he did shit through halftime and still finished with like eight catches, hundred yards, and a touchdown or whatever whatever his final stat line was. It's just it, it's inevitable. Don't ever never be concerned if Cooper Cup is not productive early in the game. He will get there. Allen Robinson has played 122 of 129 snaps. Damn near in every snap player. He has seven targets on the year. They made it a point to give him his touchdown early in the game, and then they ignored him again for the remainder of the game. All targets to Cooper Cup. And then to Higby, who has 20 targets on the year. That's crazy. 124 of 129 snaps for Tyler Higby. 20 targets. Allen Robinson has seven targets on the year. I mean, it's still just everything is running through Higby and Cup and no one else. And you just have to accept it uh, at this point in time. It is crazy production for a guy that went from 94 to 98% of snaps, Higby, and is now a must-start tight end uh, in 10, 12-team leagues. It's crazy. I thought better for Allen Robinson. Maybe his role will continue to grow, but 
know, it, it was it was forced. There was a concerted effort to get him that touchdown clearly in week two, and then it was all right. Just go back to doing whatever you were doing because it was two to five targets. I mean, it's still <laughs> he's just an afterthought in this offense. Still has less targets on the year than Ben Skoranek, who has nine through two weeks. Buff. Down to the 49ers, we mentioned the litany of injuries that have happened. Um, but the the snap shares were 49% for Jeff Wilson, 30% for Tyrion Davis-Price. He now has a high ankle sprain, and he's going to miss multiple weeks. It's either going to be Jordan Davis or potentially Marlon Mack are going to step in to share the load with Jeff Wilson going forward for the Jimmy Garoppolo-led San Francisco 49ers because Trey Lance is done for the year with his ankle injury. What is meant for the wide receivers? 88% snap share for – uh, Brandon Ayuk and 10 targets on the year. Debo Samuel, 78% snap share, and he has had 14 targets on the year. So less snaps, more targets for Debo, and he's getting backfield work as well. Kittle's going to come back eventually, and Kittle and Garoppolo are like best buddies. So it's probably going to be good news for George Kittle owners when he gets back on the field. But you're still just very narrow. We mentioned it at the top of the show, though, Jimmy G being back is a benefit to these pass catchers and probably these running backs should they be able to remain healthy for the rest of the season. So I would be looking to acquire pieces of the 49ers offense. Last and back to earth least are the Seattle Seahawks. Emotional win against Russell Wilson week one. Kudos to them. And then they just totally just laid an egg in, in week two. Geno Smith predictably came back down to earth. I guess, you know, what he say? He didn't answer the call after week one. Well, fuck, people were blowing up his phone in week two. RBBC. Penny had 41% of snaps. Homer had 45% of snaps. Kenneth what Walker is that about? Working in. 24% of snaps, probably because they were they had to this, throw the ball. This and Travis Homer thing is He's their pass back. Right? 24% to Kenneth Walker. It's just going to get uglier and muddier. The team's not good. You know, so it's it's not going to be good for any of those running backs this year. 92% of snaps for both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in week two. Uh, 13 targets to Metcalf on the season, 15 for Lockett. Lockett's been the more productive receiver of the two thus far. It's inconsistent. I mean, Metcalf's another guy you're going to have to question week in and week out. He made a catch that got removed with a penalty. That was one of the best catches I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't dude, count. The dude it didn't still count. Am- it was yeah. terrible. The dude's still amazing. It just doesn't matter, uh, unfortunately. So it's, you, you know, pick your poison. Do you want to start these guys? I mean, you're going to sit Metcalf and he's going to have, he's going to break loose for like a 70 yard touchdown one of these weeks and somehow find his way to a hundred yard touchdown game. But your guess is as good as mine when it's going to happen because this offense is terrible. As far as the tight ends are concerned, through two weeks, Will Disley, 60 snaps. Noah Fant, 57 snaps. Will Disley, six targets. Noah, I'm sorry. Will Disley, five targets. Noah Fant, six targets. I, I had high hopes for Noah Fant. I don't know why I tied him a little bit to Drew Locke because I thought he was going to be the starter <laughs> in Seattle. Didn't happen. Fant's not even getting on the field any more than Will Disley. And so much for the, the Noah Fant tight end one season because he's just not getting the snaps or the target volume to uh, be able to produce from a fantasy football perspective. Gross. Mo- moving. That's it, right? Moving on from oh, gross please. to grosser. <laughs> the AFC South, not even arguably the worst division in professional football. Uh, Houston, the 0-1-1 Houston Texans. Nothing really interesting to report here. I mean, in preseason, Pierce looked good, and they said, this is guy is our starter. We're going to rest him. So, of course, week one, he loses the snap count to Burkhead, 71% to 29%. 
makes sense. They said they were going to correct it, and they did this week. Pierce, 62% snap share to Burkhead's 37. I think that trend continues going forward, even though he didn't do shit with that extra work, but that's going to be a product of just being part of Houston. Uh, the Colts, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, we kind of know what that split is coming in. It's about 70-30. Hines is getting... More passing game work than I thought that could be a product of them having injuries at Pittman and Pierce, who both missed week two here. But Paris Campbell, Ashton Doolin, that's the the one-two there. Kind of interesting at tight end, though. Granson and, and Mo Alley-Cox, 54 and 55 – I'm sorry, 55 and 54% snap share week one. Week two, 54 and 54. So they're in a timeshare at tight end. They're getting about the same amount of work. Granson is out targeting Mo Alley Cox at this point, nine targets to five targets, which isn't a huge gap through two games. But it's worth keeping an eye on, especially if these injuries linger at wide receiver. They have to pass the ball, and they don't have weapons. So it seems like Granson and, and Mo Alley Cox are on the field enough to possibly become viable if this offense gets on track because they suck right now. That team is terrible. Another team that's terrible, the Tennessee Titans. Derrick Henry, uh, this guy said they're going to suck. I, I don't, I didn't like him. I don't know how I got that high total in our prediction show, but Derrick Henry's obviously the lead back. Week one, Dontrell Hilliard played a pretty big role. Week two, though, Haskins seemed to emerge a little bit. It could have Hilliard been- was inactive. What oh, that that would explain it. I just thought he wasn't getting much playing time. Oh, so exactly. oh he was he got hurt, didn't he, a little bit? Because mm-hmm. he got he got actual work in week one, so he, he didn't know played. what to do. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I'm curious to see if they get Haskins a little more involved because I do like him. Wide receiver, kind of a similar thing to what I said was happening in Indy. The guys that kind of played well in week one weren't there in week two. Kyle Phillips, you mentioned Hilliard, so who knows? Burks is kind of emerging as the number one. He's leading the team in targets. He had five in week one, six in week two. Not the kind of volume you want to see from a fantasy wide receiver one, but I'll, I'll take the number one guy on a bad team that should be passing a lot, and, and as he gets his legs under him, he should be emerging. And Jacksonville, who is bounced back from a shitty week one with a decent showing in week two, uh, Robinson seems to be the guy. ATN, ATN truthers move on. Week one, it was more split. ETN had 57% snap share to Robinson's 49. Flip that around in week two. Robinson had 63 to ETN's 37. Even in the targets where he thought ATN was going to really separate himself, he's only got seven through two games. Robinson has four. So what's he averaging? Three and a half a game to Robinson's two. So he's not even the clear he's our pass catching guy. The other guy isn't, but is what it is. Targets. Christian Kirk got the money and is getting the work. 18 targets for two games. I'll take it almost 10 a game. Zay Jones is surprisingly number two with Marvin, Marvin Jones, Jr. Number uh, two with only, I'm sorry, number three, with only 11 targets and Evan Ingram, 70% snap share, 12 targets. He's, I, I, I said this going in as I, I think we're doing the, the sleeper show. Just looking at the history that Peterson has had with tight ends, and, and granted, he's not Ertz or Goddard or Travis Kelsey. He's still been a fantasy viable tight end. I, I, I think Ingram, when all is said and done, is going to have a nice year. But that concludes the shittiest division in football. Two, two things. Tennessee Titans, How? what week is it? Malik Willis, Traylon Burks, Chigaconquo. 
it's all started for the Titans as they look forward to the 2023 season. One's their bye. The, the week after that. Week after the bye. I mean, that, that's just <laughs> it's, it's, it's their time, time to turn the page. Yes. Um, and then two, and listen, the, the situations dictate everything, right? But through two weeks, and the touches are staggeringly different. James Robinson's averaging 3.8 yards per carry. Travis Etienne, 5.2. James Robinson's averaging 5.7 yards per reception. Travis Etienne's averaging 10.2. It's three touchdowns by James Robinson. And I'm a James Robinson guy, but you just need to give Travis Etienne the ball more too. I mean, it's, it's, there's a, there's a discrepancy here as far as the the per touch production is concerned. And it's just, I guess they can just trust James Robinson more right now. He had that huge touchdown run uh, last week, but other than that, he just, he looked just average. I mean, he, Making Travis Etienne excuses over here as a guy who actually likes James Robinson, but they need to get Travis Etienne the ball more, in this man's humble opinion. From your south to my south, we'll start off with the Buccaneers, and I'm just like, last week didn't matter because they started who was healthy, so we're not going to look into the snaps for, for the players in week two because there was no Julio and there was no Godwin, and then Mike Evans went and got kicked out of the game because he inevitably fought with Marshawn Lattimore as he does every year when they play <laughs> the, the New Orleans Saints. So they had to roll out Perriman and Scott Miller and you know those guys and give Gage more opportunity. Leonard Fournette played more snaps. Still hasn't scored a touchdown on a year, but I'm pretty sure I heard that he's already come out on Twitter and told like his – Fantasy managers to you know, be patient. Better days are coming. For old Lenny, he did play 87% of the, the snaps in, in week two, so it's less in a pivotal game against you – know, I'm sure they really earmarked this Saints game because the Saints have had the Bucks numbers yeah. since Tom Brady's been there. So they certainly wanted to, to get this win. On the season, Leonard Fournette has six targets, which just shocks me given the injuries to their wide receivers that he hasn't seen more production as a pass catcher, he was heavily utilized as a pass catcher last year. And that's when they yeah. had far better weapons at his disposal, including Gronk, Antonio Brown, Godwin early in the season, Mike Evans. Like they were in a totally different space. I thought Leonard Fournette would be seeing six targets <clears> per game <throat> at this point in time. So surprised by his lack of production. Mike Evans only has 11 targets on a year. He did get tossed early, but <laughs> limited targets for him on the season. And, and then I just put the Godwin and Hoyer out. So Perman Gage and Miller snapped up the snaps. But not a lot to make thus far. They've really a lot of their snaps and, and targets and game plan have been dictated by injury so far. Speaking of those Saints, what did week two look like? Alvin Kamara was out. I think he has fractured ribs or fractured rib cartilage, something like that, which has to be really difficult for running backs who are just getting popped in the ribs probably yeah. more than any other position. Tony Jones saw 50% of snaps. Mark Ingram only saw 37% of snaps. Didn't matter. Doesn't matter. If it's not Alvin Kamara, don't worry about the other Saints running back right now. But on the season, from the wide receiver position, talking about Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, and Mike Thomas. I mean, that's that three wide set we were talking about. You know, being a probably a sneaky top wide receiver set on the year. Total snaps on the year: Olave's ninety-six percent snaps, Jarvis Landry ninety. Or sorry, not ninety-six percent total snaps. Chris Olave ninety-six, Landry ninety, Michael Thomas eighty-nine. They're all high snap guys. Uh, breaking it around between you know 70 and 75% on the year for them. But this fact that Alave has had the most snaps thus far, maybe it's the young legs, things of that nature. But he's seen 16 targets to Landry's 14. Michael Thomas only has one more with 17. So Thomas is still the focal point and like kind of the money touches and in the end zone and stuff like that. But Alave's getting the targets early on 
as well. So the production is going to come, and the eruption game is going to happen for Chris Olave like it has for some of these other receivers, like his boy Garrett Wilson, who just blew up last week uh, for those Jets. So Olave is coming. And then lastly is Juwan Johnson, starting tight end for the New Orleans Saints. He's played 98 snaps through two weeks. He's outsnapped all three of those receivers, and he's seen 12 targets on the year. Adam Troutman is an afterthought. The converted <laughs> wide receiver, Juwan Johnson, is the starting tight end for the New Orleans Saints. And then it's, I guess, you would consider Taysom Hill. But pretty straightforward as far as the Saints are concerned. On to the Panthers. Christian McCaffrey, 91% snap rate. Just right back to this is old faithful Christian McCaffrey. They said they didn't want to use him as much. They lied. He went from 81% to 91%. He's, he's going to find a 100% snap share game in the foreseeable future. Only nine targets on the year for Christian McCaffrey. We're talking about how Leonard Fournette's only had six. How the hell has Christian McCaffrey only had nine targets? On the they're season. my vote for worst team in football right now. They're they're a tough watch. Moore and Anderson, almost every snap players, and then they got Shy Smith as their three. Your boy Terrace Marshall did find his way into a ten percent snap rate in week Yay. two. No targets. You know I mean, so Yay. it's still right down the middle. The tight ends not worth talking about. Ian Thomas is the primary tight end because of his blocking. Tommy Tremble's playing less than forty percent of snaps, but Christian McCaffrey is on the field all the time. I mean, so he's just volume his way in production, but it's not coming as a pass catcher, which is limiting his PPR upside. Lastly, the Atlanta Falcons, who made it a game against those L.A. Rams. Your boy, Cordell Patterson, led the RBBC with 59% of snaps. He has six total targets on the year. There's just a lot of these running backs, and I'm just baffled by their lack of targets in these offenses. That, like you would think, like Leonard Fournette should see more targets for the Bucks. Christian McCaffrey should see more targets for the Panthers. Those shouldn't have to argue those. How's Cordell Patterson not getting any targets for the, Atlanta, sucks. For, for the Atlanta Falcons? And, and I guess they want to suck. But you know, and then we're. I mean, Pitts isn't getting peppered either. No, right? <laughs> Art Smith just wants to win games. I'm like, well, if you actually give the ball to your best players, you increase the likelihood of, of winning games. But as that's concerned, 82% of snaps for London in week two. He's seen 19 total targets on the season, 12 in week two. So he, he saw the target opportunity in week two. Kyle Pitts was on the field for 92% of the snaps in week two. He has 10 total targets on the year. Everyone that was just, it's got to happen for Kyle Pitts this year. Well, Marcus Mariota has put a, put a stop to all that noise. So clearly has Arthur Smith, who is not focusing this mismatch nightmare uh, against his opposing against the, you know, his opponents. He's just less snaps on the year than Drake London saw in week two is just totally unacceptable as for those Atlanta Falcons games that they potentially could win. Yeah, you know, if, if they were to potentially throw it to uh, a Kyle Pitts and allow them to win games. So just ugly for the Falcons. Um, like I said, Tyler Algier saw 31% of snaps. He was active because Damian Williams was put on IR. But both Avery Williams and fullback Keith Smith saw 25% of backfield snaps. So Avery Williams is, now appears to be their pass catching back when they have Cordero Patterson. You know, if you want to activate Algier, wouldn't he be your early down between the tackles grinder? Use Algier, use Cordell Patterson in the more stupid. Down in, yeah. stupid. Hey, you, you'd mentioned you'd mentioned when is Tennessee going to put Willis on the field? Is it Ritter time already in Atlanta? Should be. I mean, it's not. It's not going to be far away. That's for sure. You know, it's not going to get any better for the Falcons. I mean, they're just they're not a good team. They don't have the the next two weeks are at Seahawks and then versus Browns. I mean, 
those aren't you know they could win easily two and two yeah they could win against the seahawks and the browns aren't anyone's uh definition of world beaters right now then to get at bucks versus 49ers at Bengals. that's just a rough stretch they shouldn't be even competitive in those three games so we might be talking about week eight against the panthers when you get a little ritter and then they go panthers chargers panthers bears so that's a that'd be a good stretch to break in Desmond Ritter would be uh, week eight against Agreed. the Panthers. And that concludes the South. Outstanding. So yeah, some, some, some interesting nuggets there. I think next week, yeah, we'll, we'll get a lot clearer picture. But that concludes our look at player usage. Moving on to waivers, not this week, but two weeks in the future. Who's going to be the hot ad heading into week four? Um not a ton that emerged this week, whereas last week we kind of saw some guys pop that we didn't think were coming. Uh, one guy for me, Mike White. I, I get Flacco has looked okay for the Jets. Wilson's big knock was that he was was potentially injury-prone coming out of college. Could be a thing that was going to carry on the NFL, and so far we've seen it. If he keeps missing time, the team isn't going to want to keep turning it over to elderly, formerly elite journeyman Flacco. They got to see what they have in White, who had one great game a year ago and one complete dog shit game. But uh, give me Mike White, especially in Superflex, if you got the room to stash him. Uh, Durham Smythe, again, we, we, we talk a lot of redraft in season, but kind of more of a dynasty move. The team doesn't, Miami doesn't like Gasecki. Durham Smythe is seeing decent snaps, even though he's not getting the the, the targets Gasecki is. I think that's the guy that they're going to have moving forward. I already talked about Dolchich last week, and again this week, grab him. Uh, Tyrion Davis-Price is out. We we talked about Marlon Mack earlier, who I didn't even know was on the team, but I could. St- there is a crazy fantasy world where Marlon Mack becomes uh, a fantasy viable <laughs> running back for the Niners. Um, and I think a couple of guys for this week and moving forward, but I think they're going to be kind of heavily targeted, so you might have to spend more than you want. Whether you like it or not, Greg Dortch and Ashton Doolin are both parts of their team's offenses right now. Even before there were injuries, they were still involved. And in Dorch's case, I don't know what the hell we're going to see from DeAndre Hopkins when he comes back. He's older. He's going to be out for several weeks. He's going to be coming back rusty. I could see Dorch being a usable wide receiver three on that on that team's offense. So those are the guys I have. There's nobody really emerging that I think. I don't know if people are catching on to the Richie James thing yet in, in – New York with the Giants, so he might be worth grabbing if he has another three good weeks in a row. Other people might be on it, but not not as good as last week. But there were a few names I was interested in. Yeah, I mean, and we're there, there's a few guys that you mentioned that you know, I'll not be redundant. I had Ashton Doolin as well. He's only a one percent owned in Yahoo leagues. He's had six and seven targets last two weeks. We're talking about how bad the Indianapolis Colts pass catching room is. I mean, Alex Pierce, Alex Pierce is injured. Paris Campbell didn't do anything without Pittman active in the game. Mike Strawn isn't it. So, I mean, Ashton Doolin's the wide receiver, too, in, in an offense right now. And he's 1% out. And you could do far worse than, than Ashton Doolin. You mentioned the, the Jordan Mason, Marlon Mack. I mentioned Jordan Mason last week. So, I was right on the week ahead process that we're trying to establish here. He's still only 5% owned. So, certainly go add him. To your point, Marlon Mack, only 4% owned in Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. Like, so we're down, just we're just moving the needle on San Fran running backs at, at this point in time. So, now Mack's the next one you're going to want to get. And, 
Newton because he's an injury away from opportunity, you know, in a run-based offense where he would be effective, I believe. Tyler Algier, we mentioned, he's already 14% owned, but he had 10 carries. Uh, now, Damon Williams is on IR. He could be a guy that you're going to want to speculate on uh, as they try and look towards their future as well. Tight end position, I mentioned Logan Thomas with the Commanders. He's only 14% owned. He's come back better than I really? thought. Really? 14% owned. That's Yahoo. shocking. Six and five targets the last two weeks. He's been productive with his touches. They're going to throw, and Wentz likes the tight end position. So I like him as an ad. And then lastly, you were talking about Mike White. So I'm going to talk about Malik Willis. 1% owned. I just wrote it's going to happen. I mean, if it's a deep enough league or it's even, I don't know how many super flex redraft leagues we play in, and if he's sitting out there available, this is clearly just in standard leagues. But he's going to play games this year. We've already lost Trey Lance on the year. Justin Fields isn't running as much as we had thought. There really hasn't been that much with the mobile quarterback picking and choosing. Lamar Jackson one week on, one week off. So finding a guy who will run, he will run easily in in Malik Willis is someone that you might want to consider adding early for free. And we got to get out of here because I got my roofer downstairs. So take us out of here, Johnny. So that'll wrap it up. (laughs) Hopefully you enjoy this for myself, John DeBarry, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker. We are the Fantasy 40, and we are out of here. Ow! All right. And this, got to go. An hour and a half. Speaking of... Last week I said you said add Tyrion Davis Price. I said add Jordan Mason. Oh yeah, winner. Even though he didn't get any snaps, but what the fuck? They have no choice. He's going to now. <laughs> but you know, now it's add Marlon Mack, right? Where is he? He's on the Forty ers Okay, and that's I put. I, they just have a question mark. San Francisco. I didn't know that's where he was. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna yeah. jot that down for my own personal notes. That high ankle for TDP. Ooh. And they said he looked good. I didn't see any much of that game. I didn't watch it either. I didn't even. I, I don't even know what I did Sunday. I don't really watch any football. Went out, took the wife to dinner on Sunday night, and that that game sucked. Dick. Bears game. Bears. <laughs> Bears against Packers. Other than Aaron Jones being <laughs> amazing, because he's amazing. I guess to me, duh. I mean, and the fact that they don't throw the ball to either of the top receivers in in, uh, in Chicago, ever. What did Mooney have targets? Oh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. I mean, it's a it's a fucking wasteland over there. But yeah, well, let's uh, we'll start off with just a quick recap. You know, I'm sure we'll talk a little Dolphins Ravens. I'll show you another picture. Perhaps you listen. You thank me once we go live, too. All right, because I drug you kicking and screaming. Into two a time, and he is fucking destroying fantasy leagues this year. So uh, you're not you're not gaining or losing a fan with me, but congrats to the Las Vegas Aces for no. leaning into that gambling aspect of things with the team name too, huh? I mean, the the Reno Aces are fucking AAA baseball. That are yeah, we all know that's fucking rigged. So would you rather watch triple A baseball or WNBA? Don't make me answer that. <laughs> I'll go the answer's really neither. 
Oh, I'll go to. I like baseball though. I'll I'd go rather to watch. I'd rather watch paint dry after I had to paint. No, I'll go to a minor league game for sure. Yeah, baseball's too long. If baseball is six innings. I think everyone would like it more. It'd be far more interesting. One hundred eighty-two games, nine innings. Get the fuck out of here. It's like the, like the game, somehow baseball like every season takes two years to complete. The, the length of the never season ending. is a bit much. Yeah, I get it. Making tons of money, I get it. it makes Are sense. they though? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just scan your palm and be about your business. I mean, it's not a big deal. All right, let's get into this. <laughs> Two old men. Hearing their fucking throats where they could talk. 